Well, hello, all you wily wallabies out there. Thanks so much for listening in on another episode of A Little Greener, uh, your weekly podcast about conservation, sustainability, and nature. I'm one of your hosts, Casey. And I'm Sarah. Welcome back to another episode. (laughs) After all this time, this is episode 14, we still sort of don't really know how to introduce ourselves. Say hi. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's lovely to be back here with you, Casey, though, for another episode and lovely to be back with all of you who are hopefully listening. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi, James. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Adam. Those are some people I know are listening and some I made up. Maybe it's your name. Hey, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) So we thought we'd kick off this episode really quickly by just sort of reintroducing who we are. If you're brand new to the podcast, we do have an introductions episode, our very first episode where we talk a little bit more in depth about ourselves, how we got interested in this sort of conservation, nature and sustainability field and how we got interested in podcasting. But if you haven't listened to that episode, we just figured we would real quick kind of introduce who we are and what we're about and our background and all of that. So uh, again, this is Sarah talking. I'm uh, in the conservation education field, have been for almost 10 years now, but wasn't initially my background. I went to school for animal science and veterinary medicine. So I was always kind of interested in the animal side of things and didn't really get introduced much to the world of conservation until I was in college. And really not even until after I decided to leave vet school did I really get more invested in it. So that side of things came to me sort of later in life, but it's been a growing passion ever since then. So I'm happy to be here talking about this and learning about it as well, right alongside all of you. Yeah. And I am Casey. I this is my voice. (laughs) Sorry guys. I was out in the sun a lot today, so I'm a little goofy, Um, but Sarah and I are co-workers. That's how we met each other. We were our conservation educators and I have kind of known I wanted to work with animals and slash conservation probably since I can remember being a human being. Uh, So (laughs) that's something I've always been passionate about and involved in and have been doing it professionally out of college for about six years now. So it's been very cool. And this podcast has been a really cool learning experience for us to do a little bit deeper dives too on some topics that we get to talk about every day. So we talk about a lot of these things in tiny snippets of conversation with people, but it's been really rewarding for me to be able to dive deep down on these things and have a discussion with Sarah about these issues on a little bit more of a nuanced level. So that's been exciting for me. Yeah, hopefully for you. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And it's fun too to think that, you know, we can keep doing this for as long as we want to. And some of these topics that we've already talked about, we're going to be able to come back to and expand upon and think about things uh, again and again. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun and definitely a learning, learning and growing experience. So one of the other things that we get to do as part of this weekly podcast is we try to give action suggestions, challenges, whatever you want to call them at the end of every episode for little ways that we can all take steps forward in our sort of sustainability journey and learning how to live a little more greener each and every day. So 
we try to give those at the end of every episode and then we talk about them and see how we did. I'm a little bit nervous to talk about Well, we hold each other accountable and we hope that our followers will help share kind of their, the ways that they have been acting on these actions that we suggest. So, so Sarah, last week's challenge was to look at the way that you have your wardrobe and enact any of the, what we the R's of sustainability. So look at the tag to see how you can take care of it, wash your laundry on a more eco-friendly sort of load. If you haven't listened to that, go back. I I enjoyed our episode, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Sarah, how'd you do? Um, I'm sorry to say that I've done nothing. Nothing. <laughs> we, okay. this is just because, uh, we are a little bit off of our normal recording schedule. It's only been a few days actually, since yes. we recorded that episode and it has been, I feel like I'm saying quite a few days now, but yeah, it's just been, it's, it's been a few days. Yes. So not a whole lot at all in my life has been accomplished. Not just that. Now that said, I do have some ideas in mind with some of the things that you suggested last week, Casey. And I mean, we talked about how there are some, some area of this where I, where I feel like I'm already doing well in terms of that kind of care of things and, uh, sort of, I, I can't remember which are you had it under, but I guess it was just reduced being more thoughtful about, why I I buy things is is something that I already kind of do, but I'm going to work on the repair. I, you mentioned, you specifically mentioned last week, t-shirts with holes under the arms. And I have a t-shirt that has a hole under the arm that I'm going to try my hand at sewing. Yes. Do you have supplies? I don't have to bother. I don't, I feel like I, somewhere in my life did have a sewing kit, but I, I don't know where it is. So I'm either going to have to search for that or just, I mean, it's not a bad idea to have some needle and thread at my disposal. So if I need to go get some, I will, but I do, I am going to try my hand at repairing some things. And then I did also really like your suggestion in terms of things that I can't or don't want to wear anymore. I'm going to look around and see what donation places might be able to put that to good use to where, where I know it's actually going to get used as opposed to just going to a thrift store where odds are it's not going to get reclaimed by anybody. So those are the things that they kind of want to work on, but have literally done nothing about in the past few days. You've got your intentions. And today we just posted that episode. So you basically have a week extension on this. That's right. uh, (laughs) To to post on, on social media, to share with everybody. I, I mean, because it's only been a couple of days and because also like, these are my frameworks that I'm already sort of trying to implement. Mm -hmm. Probably the one I was trying to be most conscious about was washing things on the quick wash cycle on yeah. my uh washing machine and making sure that it was always with cold water because sometimes my washer will kind of default back to the warm water cycle but if you didn't listen to that episode doing a quick wash and doing it on cold not only makes your clothes last longer but also reduces microfiber runoff into the water stream so that's one of the really easy like takes no more extra work things to do uh to help make your laundry a little bit more eco-friendly 
That's a good one. I like it. So hopefully you all are working on your sustainable wardrobe out there as well. Again, we love to hear from you here and see what you're working on. So feel free to share. And that goes, you know, we're trying to make these, we do these weekly challenges, but we're trying to put out things that you can kind of build consistently into your life. So it's not just about doing them in this one week. It's about things that we can keep doing. So if you are new to the podcast, if you're listening you can jump in wherever and listen to episodes in whatever order you see fit. And anytime you're doing any of these activities we talk about, feel free to tag us, post something for us, share with us. And we would love to see what whatever step you're on, whatever action you're taking, we would love to see that. Yeah. So Casey, this episode that we're recording right now, it's not quite July yet, but this is going to be coming out on July 1st. So happy plastic free July. Are you, are you familiar with plastic free July at all? Is this something you, I mean, yes. (laughs) I don't know a great amount about it. I, I think last year's the first year I really became aware of when basically people try and reduce all their plastic use throughout the course of July. And I think there are some guides that like tell you specific things that you can work on. Am I Yeah, I think so too. I'm actually not super familiar with it overall either, other than just a phrase that I hear and see kind of going around in July. It is an actual organization, I believe, started in Australia. That's been kind of a growing movement. But yeah, I think a lot of other places and organizations will do things like that. Like they'll have an action a day and stuff like that. But there is a a Plastic Free July website. I'm sure you can just do a search for it on the internet if you're interested. For me, I've started recognizing Plastic Free July as kind of like my New Year's Day of sustainability. (laughs) It's kind of how I treat it. So whether it's plastics or anything else, I do kind of try to think a little bit around this time of year of what, okay, like what's my next goal? Like what's my next thing that I'm going to do? Of course, like we just talked about, I mean, this is a daily journey and we can do incorporate things anytime, all the time in our journeys. But I do try to think of how many times am I going to say the word journey today? (laughs) By the way, I feel like that's a very cliche way to yeah feels a little bit like you're a therapist yes. when you're talking about apologies yeah, everyone everyone. Has their own journey yep. <laughs> yeah 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 okay. uh apologies I'll try to I mean I think it's accurate too though that's the thing is it feels very applicable <laughs> anyway uh so we can we can take take steps every day but I do try to be a little more thoughtful and a little more intentional around plastic free July to think about what my next thing is going to be. So with that, Casey, my question for you this week is, this is sort of a vague question. So however you feel like you want to answer it best, but what's, what's the latest sort of thing that you've decided to do that like a lifestyle change sort of that you've started to make either your most recent or one of the favorite things that you've done, or maybe the, one of the hardest things that you've done that you've tried to make like a long-term life commitment it's a good question there are it a is lot very of big it there. doesn't have to it be is. huge it's okay either. yeah I mean there's a lot of like little things that I'm really happy about like yeah. I've reviewed my toilet paper that is fully recyclable like I'm really happy with that that transition it feels so like it just checks so many boxes yeah. for me it's very satisfying to have fully recycled toilet paper that goes to a charitable cause But actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about in the review, we started composting probably about a year ago and I 
am just really satisfied with the how few how how infrequently we have to change our garbage because there's no longer smelly food scraps in there. And so there's lots of benefits to it, but I just think that's probably something that once we get our own home that we're going to continue to do the rest of our lives. And I really like it. That's awesome. Uh, That makes me really excited to hear your review. I also can't wait until we do a full episode on composting, which I'm sure we will because composting is a thing that I don't do, but would like to do, but sort of don't know how to do because especially because I don't garden or anything. So uh, anyway, I'm excited to hear your review and that's a really good one. The toilet paper that you mentioned is actually my most recent one because that was, that was my thing for this year. I kind of planned ahead that, uh, that yeah, the, the making the switch to, uh, I'm, I'm using the who gives a crap toilet paper. So again, plastic free and also recycled paper. So I got my first delivery. I haven't opened it yet. I don't need it quite yet, but it is ready to go. So I'm anticipating that that will be a long-term permanent change for me. The one that I did, I think that this is the one I did sort of quote unquote for plastic free July last year. I can't remember for sure, but (laughs) so Casey knows this, a weird thing about me, a weird snack item that I used to enjoy was cheese slices but not even real cheese this processed fake american we're talking craft singles singles. if you're from the united states craft american singles i eat them like candy i would eat like four or five of them a day delicious just on their own uh seven-year-old casey's on your page Adult Casey has been converted. Uh, delicious. But but also produces a lot of unnecessary waste. So think about that. Four or five a day, maybe that's a little high. But three or four a day, that's pretty accurate, I would say, to what I used to eat. And uh, ultimately, that was... And it was a really hard thing for me to break. There were so many times that I thought about, like, Sarah, this is wasteful why are you doing this? And I just wasn't able to convince myself to give it up. And I, again, I believe it was, was around this time last year that I decided, nope, I'm just going to make the commitment. This is ridiculous. This is unnecessary. This is not good for the environment. This is probably not good for my health. This is not good for my food budget. So I no longer purchase them. Proud of you. There's some plastic waste cut out of my life forever. Bye, Craft Americans. Thank you. So I don't know. I just thought that would be fun to kind of think about and talk about different steps that we have taken. We're going to talk a little bit more specifically today about plastics, which if you're in the sustainability game at all, I'm sure you've heard a lot about. So we're just going to kind of do a little overview today about plastics, kind of why we hear so much about them and what that might look like going forward. But before we get to that, we're going to have that review from Casey. So stay tuned. back for the review of the episode. Each week we review a item, a book or TV show or movie, something that's 
tangentially related to sustainability, sometimes we review activities or initiatives <laughs> or places, whatever we want, we're in charge. And today <laughs> we are going to review the OXO 0.75 gallon compost bin. And I apologize if you can hear Ginger, my or one of our mascots, one of my pets, uh, rolling around on the bed behind me because it might be a little bit. We now. can, or at least I yes. can, and it's <laughs> delightful. I'm sure you already heard my dog, Murray. Yes prancing through the kitchen and drinking his water so we love our mascots we here at do. a little greener we're not here to apologize we, uh, <laughs> they're part of the show <laughs> that's right so um so yes we decided to start my fiance andrew and i started composting once we moved really into the house that we're in currently and our friend Kristen gave us her old compost bin um and we've been really using that over for over a year now. And I wanted to get a compost bin. Basically we were using a, a bulk. What was it? It's, it's basically like an ice cream bin. Oh, you ever yeah. been to the grocery store and you're like, I don't want good ice cream. I want, I want a, a lot, lot of ice of cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I want a large quantity of ice cream. You may have seen those like big gallon plastic round things. And we were using that, which is good because one of the things you really want out of compost bin is something that is going to trap the smells. The lid is pretty tight onto it because if you're like me, you can't really be counted on, on changing it as often as it probably should be. So you want something that's not going to be really smelly. Um, but over time that kind of plastic bin was breaking. And so we decided to get an actual compost bin and I did do some research on some different compost bins. I really didn't want to go with a plastic one. I wanted to go with something that was metal or glass, but honestly, the ease of cleaning for a plastic one, the price point for it, I just knew that the most important thing about it, it was that it was something that was going to work over a long period of time. This isn't a single use plastic item, but it was something I was going to use for a while. They actually come in two different sizes. The size that I got is the 0.75 gallon size, which is the smaller one. And we decided to get the smaller one because you really don't want your compost sitting on your counter for a super, super long time. You really want to be able to change it frequently. So I knew this would force us to change it more frequently. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm happy with that decision a lot. And what I like about this is that it's got a pretty tight fitting lid, but it's not latched. So if I'm just like cracking eggs, I can flip it open with one hand and throw the eggshells in there with the ice cream bin. We had to like go click, 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 click around the side and try and get the, mm -hmm. the top off. So I like that a lot, but it still fits flush enough with the, the top of it that we don't have smells or anything like that. It's got a nice handle. So we're able to drag it out to the backyard really easily. And it has kind of sloped sides, but there's no lips for anything to catch on. And so it's extremely easy to clean, which I adore <laughs> the, the, I think the handle kind of pops off in a way that's like intentionally detachable, not like you're breaking it all the time. And honestly, switching over to composting has been such a delight, even though it, it, we're not really good at it at this point. Like we're not doing the proper ratio of greens and browns super okay, intentionally. Yeah. Really. If your compost is getting smelly in your backyard, you're supposed to throw like what they call consider browns. So paper shreds mm -hmm. or leaves. And so we've been kind of sprinkling that in there, which has been helpful, but spoilers, we are going to move soon 
So we did kind of lift up our compost bin because we rent our place. So we were like, we can't keep adding stuff to the compost up until we leave because there will just be literally like rotten fruit and eggshells <laughs> strewn across Bye. the yard. <laughs> Bye, have fun. <laughs> Give it two months. Um, and so we've, we've kind of paused our, uh, our composting effort. But when Andrew lifted up the bottom of the compost, it was really good, like compost down there. That's so cool. And it was super exciting. Right. So even if you're, I am super into gardening this year, because we knew we were moving, I didn't plan a whole lot of things, but the soil in our yard is so garbage because it has been just like plowed over with heavy machinery as just the forms of development. Uh, there's no natural nutrient life cycle. And so the idea of directing nutrients away from a landfill where they will do nothing and help them mm -hmm. like regenerate the soil health in your own yard is like, so up my alley. It makes yeah. me so excited, which is why I chose this as my also favorite long-term sustainable lifestyle change. And then I don't have to take out the garbage as much. We've also been eating less meat. So there's less, you can't really compost meat in your backyard but we've been eating less meat scraps. So there's less of like that stinking up things too, which means we're changing our garbage less, which means that there's less plastic bags that go around your garbage going into the landfill. Ah, it's win, 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 win after win, after win, after win. So, uh, I am technically reviewing the OXO <laughs> <laughs> 0 0.75 gallon compost bin, which you can get on Amazon for like 20 bucks. And I'm not saying go get everything from Amazon. Cause no, yeah. we don't want to get everything like from that. Amazon. But that was a really well reviewed because I did a lot of research about it. That one was so well reviewed and honestly, I love it. So if you're someone who's like, I really want to skip all plastics because it's plastic free July and I'm being committed <laughs> to my, <laughs> my endeavor, then maybe you want to go look at a different option, but I can tell you that this one has worked out really well for me and we're planning on keeping it for a really long time. So to me, it was worth it for a yeah. different sort of like, it's a trade-off. Yes. I added a plastic to my life, but I'm going to use it for a really long time and it's diverting so much waste and it's so yeah. satisfying. Yeah. And that is my review of the OXO five gallon compost bin <laughs> and composting. Great. Um, no, that's yes. great. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you found one that worked out for you because I have heard from different folks who have tried to start composting that, that, that can be a barrier to try to figure out what's going to work for you and make sense and not smell up your kitchen while you're collecting those scraps. So that's good. Right. Like I said, like stainless steel and, uh, and glass are more eco-friendly options. So if you can find one out there that you like all oh, the more power to you. And for some people, you don't even have to buy anything. Like people who use glass pasta jars as their little compost, maybe they could be relied upon more than I can for taking it out more often. But sometimes <laughs> when you're trying to do a habit, as Sarah pointed out in an earlier episode, you need it to cost you basically like the barriers need to be really low. Yeah. And this was like lowering that barrier so that I could leap right over it to sustainability. Yeah. Forward composting. Yeah. I think it's great. And I am really excited to talk more about composting because that just, it's, it's cool to see nature at work. And I just feel like yeah. it, that gives you hope, man. Seeing it really that, does. Seeing that waste turn into something beautiful and useful. So love it. Thanks for the review, Casey. Appreciate it. Stick around, everybody. We'll come back in just a moment with our discussion for the day.
right, welcome back, everybody. Like we said at the start of the episode, we're going to talk a little bit about plastics today. So Plastics 101, the good, the bad, and the future of plastics. Unless you have been living under a rock for quite a while, you've heard about plastics, plastic pollution. You've probably seen a viral video or two, maybe our, our sea turtle with straw. You've probably heard about the plastic straw bans, plastic bag bans. If you visited a zoo or aquarium, if you follow any conservation organizations at all, you have heard about plastics recently. So today we're going to talk a little bit about why that is. You know, we talk about on this podcast that everything we do, everything we consume, everything we produce is going to have some kind of impact on the environment. So I wanted to talk just a bit about why it is that we hear so much about plastics and why so much attention is placed on this material in comparison to other things. So obviously this is huge. I titled it Plastics 101 because we're just kind of doing a basic overview today. It would be impossible to cover everything in depth in the world of plastics. Also, like I said, I'm a conservation educator. I am not a chemist. I don't understand everything that goes into the world of plastic production or, or recycling or any of that sort of thing. So we're going to do the best we can to talk about some things. We are definitely not going to talk about everything in particular today. I'm not really going to talk about human health impacts in terms of the plastics that we're using in terms of like additives and things like that, that you'll hear about going into to plastics. I'm also not going to go super in depth on recycling. We are going to talk about recycling in particular with why that's tough for plastics, again, compared to some other materials, but we're not going to do all of the ins and outs. Recycling is probably another thing that you've seen some about in the news recently in terms of the effectiveness. So there are some things that we're not going to talk about, but we're going to try to do a little overview today. So to start off with, just real quick, what is plastic? It's actually maybe a more complicated question than it sounds. There are a lot. I was going to say, don't ask me to answer because <laughs> <No. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of different types of plastic. Some of them are natural, like rubber, is a, a natural type of plastic yes what the, yeah. okay yep but the first synthetic plastic and that's really what we're going to be talking about today this primarily the plastics that we use today are synthetic yeah. man-made plastics and we're focusing in particular on single-use plastics so the first synthetic plastic was actually created way back in 1907 it's called Bakelite and then production really grew in the 1950s and 60s and now is very obviously ubiquitous in our world today that's kind of amazing to think that like my grandparents grew up without the pervasiveness of plastic yeah. that we see today. I think that's a really great indicator that this is a solvable problem. It is a solvable problem. Yeah, we'll talk about this a little bit. Me personally, if you're just asking me, I don't see a, a future going back to without plastic. Well, no, but, but the yeah, reduction but we, is possible. Yeah, we did do it before. And, and I think there are going to be, have to be some drastic changes, which I think we can do, but yeah, it is crazy, crazy to think about because of how prevalent it is everywhere in our lives today. Uh, and again, this is where Sarah is not a chemist. In fact, 
I hate chemistry. <laughs> chemistry was kind of the bane of my existence. But plastic is basically a polymer. So it's just a repeating chain of molecules. Uh, in particular, uh, plastics are made up of hydrocarbons, which as the name suggests is chains of primarily carbon and hydrogen, which we, again, these synthetic plastics, we are getting from oil and natural gas. So these synthetic single-use plastics that we're focusing on today are created from oil and natural gas. So that's what we're starting with. Casey, we're going to do a little activity. If you're listening along, what we're going to do right now is Casey and I are going to take 60 seconds and we are going to write down all of the ways that we can think of that we have interacted with plastic today. This can be anything. This doesn't have to be just single-use plastics. So anything that you can think of, Casey, that is plastic that you've interacted with. If you're listening along with us, I'm probably, future Sarah is probably going to edit this out. Yeah, so you might need to pause <laughs> unless we say something really clever or entertaining as we're thinking of these things. We're probably going to edit out this 60 seconds. So you might want to pause You can if you want to do this as well, or you can do this on your own after the episode. But we're going to do, I, I've got my timer pulled up. You ready, Casey? You got your writing utensil? I'm so ready. All right. Ready, set, go. All right, that was time. How many things did you get, Casey? Well, lost my, this is how tired I am. <laughs> 11. Okay, I wrote down 13 things. Oh, look at you go. And I, well, I don't feel like that's a win in terms of what we're talking about. But also I feel like I could have written down a lot more had I had yes. my brain been working a little faster and my pen been working a little bit faster. Do you want to share a few of the things that were on your list? Yeah. So I woke up in the morning. I took some meds out of a plastic pill bottle. I brushed my teeth with a plastic toothbrush. I've tried bamboo and the ones I could find have really tough bristles for my, my gums. So I'm Same. working on it. Uh, I got into my car and my car has a plastic key fob and is made of lots of different parts. Uh, I worked on a computer today and printed something out. My lunch container is plastic <laughs> amongst et cetera, et cetera, yep. other things. Yeah. I, I had some of those same ones. So yeah, I had my car, pretty sure this microphone in front of me, headphones or have some plastic. So, I mean, just literally sitting in front of me right now, I have my cell phone, in case that are plastic, I have a plastic jumbo container of peanuts that I had <laughs> for dinner tonight. Bowl. My dog food bowl stand is made of plastic. My dog food container is made of plastic. I also have a plastic toothbrush because I've not had good luck with the bamboo ones. I have my toothpaste in a plastic bottle. My glasses uh, are mostly Glasses today are, are actually plastic and not glass. My hand, hand sanitizer case, uh, this pen that I wrote this list with, uh, my, the rug that is under my feet, like oh, yeah. plastic fibers, uh, my TV remote car as well. If I didn't say that. All right. So, well, this makes me feel like it's less solvable. Now. <laughs> <laughs> not the point, not the correct, point correct, of correct. the activity, the point of the activity. So again, I, 
like so many things in life, I feel like the issue of plastic has become just very divided and you are either all plastic is terrible and we must get rid of plastic and it's the worst thing that ever existed on the face of the earth and everything is terrible or you're like plastic is the best invention ever and if you say that we need to do away with plastics or change how we're handling plastics that's ridiculous because plastic has brought so much good to society and so kind of what i'm trying to say here as many things in life i find myself trying to find the middle ground Plastics do a lot of good things for us. Plastics in general, again, this is a very broad collection of materials. There are lots of different types of plastic and so many great things have been accomplished using plastic. And, you know, I think about like the medical field in particular, yeah, and, you know, first thing. some of the, awesome. I mean, I lived the first, I don't even know how long of my life in like in an incubator that I'm guessing was plastic and you know I so there's uh, so many things we think about transportation we we both mentioned our cars airplanes have plastic parts those types of things so we we think about the medical side we think about transportation think of recreation so so many of our recreational materials are are plastic safety uh, materials are made of plastic and, and all of that. So we can recognize the good that plastics have brought to us for sure. And, you know, some of the reasons that we're able to do, I mean, even, even food safety and things like that. Some of the things that were the reasons that we're able to do all of these things with plastic is, you know, this is a material that is strong. It's moldable. It's actually relatively cheap. If we're just strictly talking finance economy to to produce and it's lightweight that's a benefit that actually you can people will try to kind of put that as a positive towards its environmental impact as well so if it's lightweight it's more efficient to transport so there are a lot of things that plastic has done for us and those are the properties that kind of make it so easy to use I think we can be grateful for some of the things that plastic has brought us, but it is just important to keep in mind that there are lots of different types and there are lots of impacts on the environment. So again, I think that part of the reason we hear so much about plastic in the news is because of how ubiquitous it is. So all of those things that it can do, it's a it is a really important material. And so a lot more attention is going to be drawn to it. So I think that's part of it. But then the other side of this, the reason that we hear so much about it, are that it does have some pretty negative impacts as well. So one of the things that we have to mention, like we already said, is that what we're talking about, for the most part, plastics today, traditional plastics are made from oil and natural gas. So Casey, can you talk to us a little bit about why this is an issue? Why do we, why do we bring that up? So oil and natural gas are non-renewable resources that burn fossil, that they are fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. So they emit carbon anytime that you're burning them. And the extraction can also be extremely detrimental to both the environment and people who might be nearby. It also means that 
they have kind of a limited life cycle to a certain extent. We've talked about like recycling a little bit is that you can only recycle things for so long because they degrade every time you are trying to keep them in the cycle. So those are kind of the first things that come to mind. The fact that they're from oil and gas really like hurts my soul a little bit because it's, it's just such a, you cannot extract sorry for that's a bad pun, but basically like you can't, you can't disconnect the two. You can't have plastics without the oil and natural gas, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. So as we, you know, try to hopefully start to shift energy use away from the burning of fossil fuels, this is kind of like plastics are the oil companies sort of fallback reserve. So they want to push sort of, yeah, more plastics so that the oil industry can, can keep surviving. So yeah, like, like you were saying, this has a a lot of issues. So these are non-renewable resources. This is, we have a limited supply of these things. And then certainly greenhouse gas emissions are a big part of it. So what I was finding, this is from a United Nations environmental program paper, the global plastic industry emits 400 million tons of greenhouse gases per year. And they say this is more than the total carbon footprint of the the United Kingdom. Uh, So Great Britain and Northern Ireland and accounts for about 4% of global emissions. So there's- Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, so there's greenhouse gas emissions involved there. You also mentioned the, the impact on communities. So yeah, the- extraction itself can have impact. So you've probably heard the term fracking before. So fracking is one of the methods that we can use to collect both oil and natural gas. And that can be problematic in a lot of ways and can lead to both surface and groundwater contamination for neighboring communities. And then you also probably come across the term fence line communities. So this is referring to residential areas that are in close proximity to oil refineries. So again, we're extracting these materials. They are going to these oil refineries where they're basically separated. Again, chemistry, I don't understand, but they're separated into different types that, that they can then use to be per, to, to be made into different types of plastics. So uh, that process can uh, obviously, you know, think about your typical factory, uh, put off a lot of Uh, detrimental materials into the environment. And again, this is going to disproportionately affect Black, Latino, and lower income groups. So they're called fence line communities because they're usually separated from those refineries by a chain link fence. So, you know, we want to think about the, the people that are involved in this as well. Yeah. And I just want to say that like that reflects a lot of lack of political power that Mm -hmm. these groups have because those decisions get made either on a very localized community level or higher up. It's due to a lack of representation and advocacy for those groups in those particular locations. There's a philosophy kind of called not in my backyard where you're like, oh, well that I'm fine right. with an oil refinery, right. but I don't want to, I don't want to be near it. Yeah. Right. I, I, it should exist because I want to consume the things that come out of it, but I just don't want it close to, to me. And so if you have more money, um, and if you are white, you are going to have more political power to be able to negotiate that 
ending up in a place where people don't have as much political power and that correlates to their amount of money and free time to be able to advocate for themselves and basic knowledge of, of what's going on around them because of how of our system works. So this is something that happens repeatedly. And we know that this happens repeatedly. If you are black or Brown, you are more likely to be near a Superfund site where they have waste and runoff or factories where the air quality is not as good. So that's something that's really important to acknowledge. And I'm glad you brought it up, Sarah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for expanding on it. And I, I do think it's really important. And you think about, think about that phrase, not in my backyard. We need to think about it. This shouldn't be in anyone's backyard. Right. right, exactly. Like, so, oh, well, I, I want the benefits, but I definitely don't want the actual impacts of yeah. it. Yeah. We shouldn't want that for anybody. So right. we all need to become more aware of this and, and stand up and, and participate in, in the fight where we can. So, and then ultimately the problem with plastics and the reason that we hear so much about it is the disposal. Plastics, like I talked about, with the good, you know, these are sturdy materials. They are designed to be long lasting, but what this means is that they aren't going to break down into the environment either and or in the environment either. And so this is where you're hearing more about plastics than other materials. So if you start to look into life cycle assessments of different materials, and Casey knows I kind of had a mental breakdown about this a few days ago, you'll see, you know, there are some areas where again, if you're, if you're looking at the creation of materials where people might suggest that plastics come out ahead uh, of other materials, depending on how you're comparing, like if you're looking at a plastic bag compared to a paper bag compared to a cotton bag or something like that. Again, we know that the creation of every single one of those materials has an environmental cost. And depending on how you're looking at it and how you're weighing it, you might have some of those other materials coming up looking even worse for the environment than plastic does. But when you take in truly that full life cycle, the problem is plastic doesn't really have a life cycle. It has a creation and, and then, then it, it persists. just goes on forever. <laughs> There's no real cycle there. So that's where the problem lies with plastics. We're producing estimates now anywhere from 300 to 400 million. I think the number I saw most consistently was about 380 million tons of plastic that are produced globally each year. This mostly, it's too simplified to say that all plastic that's ever, ever created still exists on earth but a whole lot of it does. Um, there's maybe a, a tiny portion of plastic that has been incinerated, which is not a great end of life solution either. A lot of issues there, but for the most part, plastics are just going to persist into the environment. So what are our solutions? Again, we have heard about recycling. I think we can, pretty confidently state that as it stands right now, recycling is not a solution for plastics. Recycling is like the most confusing thing. <laughs> so like I grew up I, when I was six in the first grade, I was in Mrs. Tellis's uh, recycling club. Like I, I got the, the, the recycling down early. 
Um, and in theory, it's good, right? Like yes. we can reuse items over and over again. And there's certain materials it's super useful for like aluminum and glass, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the plastic breaks down over or over time, not down into something that is then like consumable and usable within the environment in a positive way, but in like degrees in quality, basically, right. so that it is no longer usable in a commercial fashion. And it's like cost-wise, not efficient currently. Yeah, exactly. So I will say right here, right now, I'm not here to say don't recycle. You should I mean, recycle. Yes. You should definitely recycle. And I want to do again, a whole episode on recycling, which is why I'm not going more in depth on it today. But what I am saying is yet yeah, that there are a lot of issues in particular with plastic and recycling that need to be fixed in order for it to be as helpful uh, as possible. So yes, all of the things that Casey just mentioned. So plastic degrades, he, some people will, will not even use the term recycle with plastic. They'll use the term downcycle because it's going to be reproduced into something that is of lesser quality. So you can only recycle plastic maybe once or twice as compared to something like aluminum or glass that can be recycled indefinitely. Uh, it is time consuming what, because there are lots of different types, which I'll talk more about in a minute. And like Casey was saying, it's not cost effective. There's not a market for a lot of different types of plastics as well. And this gets even more confusing on the consumer side because of all of the different types of plastics. So if you have a plastic container that you've gotten a food item or something in, if you look on the bottom of it, you're probably going to see that little recycling symbol, the triangle with the three arrows chasing each other that if you don't know any better, really looks like it means that that plastic item is recyclable. And that is not what that little triangle means. That little triangle is going to have a number inside of it. That number is simply telling you what type of plastic that material is made of. Those little chasing arrows, they don't mean anything at all. They are just surrounding that number and it's not telling you whether or not that plastic can be recycled. What? Chasing arrows, yeah, that's, they don't mean anything. There I is, mean, <laughs> I mean, like, so when we're throwing out like our orange juice carton, Andrew mm -hmm. always wants to recycle it. Cause he sees that. And I'm like, you can't. And then you like read closer and it's like, see proper recycling yep. centers. If one's in your area and I find it maddening, I feel scammed now. So <laughs> you should feel, you honestly, you should feel scammed. Uh, one of the things that I'll talk about at the end of our episode today that I, I would, well, I, what the heck? I'm going to talk about it now and I'll talk about it, it again at the end. But there is a, I read an article. I haven't watched the whole thing, but a, it's like a frontline NPR combo thing called Plastic Wars that talks about this and kind of how the oil and plastic industry have kind of pushed this responsibility onto the consumer and pushed recycling as a solution for plastics in order to make people feel better about using them. Um, that's kind of led us to where we are today. And I'm not one that likes to think about that too much. I really like to think that people are ultimately trying to do good. So this 
whole thing was very discouraging to me. But the thing I, is, is that people do want to do good. Right. The consumers want to do good. The companies just don't want to cut into profits by complicating that life cycle, by not be taking actual responsibility for the product that they're creating for its entire life cycle. Instead, they want us to just feel placated enough to feel like we're doing the right thing right. because you're right. Most people are good, but money, man. Oh yeah. yeah it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> so a good thing to note again, I, I would like to do a, a full episode on recycling but a good thing to note just for now is that yes please know that those chasing arrows on your materials does not mean that it can be recycled so you do have to look further into this another place that you might see this a lot is on like frozen dinner microwave dinner both the boxes and the trays those trays can almost never actually be recycled in curbside recycling bins the boxes depends a, a lot of them can't because it's a mix of sort of paper and plastic coating um, and the the plastics are usually not a type that can be recycled in curbside bins but you'll see that recycling symbol on there so what you really want to look for are plastics that have the one and two on them so if it has a one inside those arrows or a two inside those areas it probably can. It, can, it can be recycled in your curbside. Beyond that, you are gonna have to do some more homework and do some more research to see if though that particular type of material can be recycled, whether that is in your curbside recycling or if there is another, uh, another place that can take those materials. So this is just another reason in, in addition to, to some of those other things that, that we talked about in terms of, of, of cost and all of that and the degradation of plastics, but the, the confusing nature of it on the consumer side is also one of the things that makes plastic recycling from being a feasible solution right now because we can't do it correctly and that leads to too much contamination of plastics and materials that recyclers are not going to be able to use after that so it's a struggle is it is it that they're not recyclable or is that just that our recycling system so broken because like each person has comes from such a different system that it might be recyclable in another system, but it's I, not necessarily recyclable. I, I don't know for sure the answer to that question, Casey. I can't remember. I'd have to, to, to go back and look some more. I do think that most of those other numbers, it, it really is that they're not recyclable, at least in the, the vast majority. Wide, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's not widespread accessible recycling. Uh, um, is my understanding. The and then they get, the problem is, is those other types of plastics people are trying to recycle them because they think they should be able to recycle them. So then that's contaminating even the materials that should be recyclable. So those I'm can't get recycled. In that group. <laughs> so, so because, I mean, because it's very confusing. Yes. So yeah, we'll do a whole recycling episode upcoming Please. so we can talk more about this. So that's the problem. We have this material that has these great properties we are mass producing it with no place to put it. This is a material that's not going to break down in the environment in the same way that, say, paper uh, or cardboard would, would be able to. Our recycling system that we have for it currently doesn't work. Burning it is not an option. When it gets into the environment, like we've talked about even just last week, it's just going to break down 
into smaller and smaller pieces and we end up with this microplastic pollution problem that's going to persist in the environment. So <laughs> what do we do about this? Where do we go from here? Clearly, we need to change up the pattern. So continuing to produce more and more of a material that never breaks down is not going to be sustainable. So Casey, what's one thing that we can all do right now to help this problem? Our favorite R is to reduce. So reduce your use. Yes. Reduce your use. Try and, and reduce the amount of consumption, especially of single use plastics, which are inherently built not to last as long as other types. Exactly. Yeah. So that is definitely something that we can all do. I do think this is really important. If you go back and listen to our, I think it was in our introductions episode that we talked about this. I do value individual contributions to sustainability. I think it is important. Casey used to the phrase to, to kind of live our values. And that is really important to me. I do think that we can all make a yeah. difference. I think that our individual choices matter. However, I do also ultimately think that this is a producer problem. And so we need to call upon the producers uh, of plastics. So again, this the, the oil industries, the plastics industries, we need to call upon them even companies, you know, some people want to hold like companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola that you will find a lot of, of plastic pollution in the environment coming from those companies. So whether it's those companies, I would say go even further back to the, the manufacturing companies, but uh, we need to hold organizations more accountable and have people start coming up with better ways to do this. Casey, when... I can't even remember how it came up last week, but you were talking about, when we were talking about sustainable fashion, you said something about how limitations can inspire people to be more creative. I can't remember exactly yeah. where that came from, I, but I really I basically, liked it. I, I took environmental law and policy in college. And that was something the professor argued is that when we do put regulations on corporations, it forces corporations to be more innovative and creative to get around these, not get around re regulations, but, but basically to still be profitable when there are limitations put on basically them producing pollutants. So yes, I think if we made producers accountable for the trash in the ocean, mm -hmm. um, that would spur a lot of changes in our systems. You would have collection centers, you would get in, like in some States where you're paid, uh, like 10 cents for collecting it. I don't think that's kept up with inflation. I feel like we should be bumping <laughs> that up a little bit more. Um, but there's some really amazing activists in Asia who did a census. I want to say in the Philippines, basically they collected a bit, bunch of trash and then they were just like, 30%, I'm making up numbers, please don't sue me corporations, but like 30% was from Procter and Gamble. Mm -hmm. This was from Coca-Cola. This was from Pepsi. This is from Nestle, like all of these corporations. And it got such like big press that people did want to meet with these activists to try and figure out what some of those solutions are. And yeah, I think if we were to do that on a worldwide level with like regu regulatory consequences for it, that would make such a huge impact. The thing I think about plastic in particular that I, I like about a consumer focused behavior change is it is so visible. Right. Like when we talk about climate change, we're always throwing around like X percentage of 
our carbon emissions come from this activity. And some of those are going to overlap. So like plastic production, I'm sure overlaps with textile production mm-hmm. because some of our textiles yep. are plastic. Definitely. So it's hard for us to quantify. Like I turned out the lights. What does that mean? Yes. <laughs> it's an invisible <laughs> gas. Um, but like you can physically see when you are yeah. using something and if it goes in the environment, I feel like it's much more easy to be like, Hey, that turtle wouldn't have necessarily had a straw up its nose. If that one person hadn't had a straw that went out into the environment, it's not to say that they knew and they're, you know, a turtle hater, but it's to say that the likelihood of someone being impacted by our individual choice, we can actually see it feels concrete. It feels like you see those consequences so much more. And that's why I like it's low hanging fruit. Basically. That's what, what we're trying to, to knock off the sustainability tree. It just seems like it should be easy because there's a lot of alternatives out there too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, kind of like what we were talking about with composting, you can see that you can see that trash turned into that usable, excellent, great quality soil. So yeah, you can, you can see the difference and you can feel good about it. Just like me giving up my, my cheese. I can, you you. know, I can think about all of those cheese wrappers that I was throwing away that I'm no longer throwing away. So it is nice to, to be able to have that, that concrete change. But, you know, again, going back to, to the more corporate side of it, I think, that lo- that idea of limitations inspiring creativity is something that is going to help us moving forward in this world of plastic. So again, me personally, I don't I don't see plastics going away. I don't see that that kind of as an industry going away, but I do have hope that we are going to see some changes coming that we are reaching a point where consumers are becoming more and more aware and more and more fed up uh, with the the problem that single-use plastics is creating. And we are going to be starting to put more pressure on these corporations and they are going to need to find ways to change with the times and solve this problem. And so we start to see bits and pieces of that kind of sneaking through uh, in the news and even a little bit onto our store shelves these days. So one of the things that we might see popping up now is compostable plastics. It sounds great. It sounds maybe better than it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's a, there's a confusing aspect of it. You do have to read the label. And as far as I can tell, for the most part, these are not things that Casey could stick into her composting bin and put out in her backyard. These are compostable in industrial composting facilities if you can't get it into a composting facility this is not going to be accessible to most people this is not going to break down in a landfill or in backyard composting so it's not really going to help us uh, move forward in in a meaningful way right now the places i see this oftentimes are like uh utensils Mm-hmm. like compostable yeah. utensils and things like that. So if you're throwing Thanks a party too. in your backyard, yeah. If you're throwing like a barbecue in your backyard or a plant-based barbecue, because that would be the eco-friendly thing to do. Uh, and you're having guests over, just know that that's not like a better than a paper plate option. For example, it's, uh, if you can rewash, I feel like silverware is a really easy thing to rewash compared to lots of other things when you're having a party. So like having people bring their own utensils is way better than, having a compostable plastic that you have no actual outlet to quote unquote compost it in. 
Yeah. So when you're looking for those things, again, that's something that people can stick on a product and hopefully make people feel better about buying it. But when you actually look at what it requires, it, it's not going to be helpful. So just make sure you're reading the label before you're you get, get suckered in by the plastics, big plastic industry. So, but you know, who knows who's to say down, down the line that this, this might not be something that we can, can improve upon. Um, so biodegradable polymers are another thing that are already in existence. Again, we talked about plastics being a polymer. So these long sort of repeating chains of molecules. So this is polylactide, I think is how you say it. Chemistry. PLA is the abbreviation. This is a biodegradable polymer that's made from, I guess, lactic acid from either corn or sugar cane, I think is what I found. Um, and this does naturally degrade in the environment without the same detrimental effects of microplastics. This, again, from what I can tell, is something that is already in existence and used for certain materials, but it's not something that you're likely going to see like in your single-use plastic cutlery or anything like that. Uh, it's a not suitable at higher temperatures, so it doesn't have all of those same properties as some of our other synthetic plastics. It's you couldn't not microwave gonna, it. You couldn't microwave it. You couldn't put hot hot liquids in it or, or anything like that. And right now, uh, also darn capitalism economics, uh, the cost to produce this material is another barrier to keep it from being more widespread. Um, and again, because I, I am not an expert on this and I have you know, I, I want to try to make sure we're putting things out there as clear as possible. Uh, I have a, a fairly substantial quote from an article I was reading about this uh, from uh, from nature.com. And they say biodegradable polymers, along with reducing, reusing, and recycling could impact the accumulation of plastics in the environment, but further developments are still required before PLA or other biodegradable polymers can replace existing plastics. Cost is not the only roadblock for such materials. Government, society, and industry have learned from past mistakes and realized that production of new materials must consider their source and end of life together with essential criteria of production, production scalability, and material properties. So basically, we need to learn more. We need to know more about how. So we know we can produce these materials. Can we produce it on the scale that we would need to produce it? Can we produce it effectively enough? Are there going to be other issues that we run into with producing this material uh, at that high of a scale as well? So I will put a link to that entire article in the show notes for this episode if you would like to read more about that as well. So again, this is something that's already here. It's already in existence. But we need to learn a lot more about it to make sure that we can scale it up for, for mass pr production. And then another potential for the future of plastics. So we talked about how plastic is more downcycled than recycled. So can we change that basically? Is there a way that we can produce a plastic material that could sort of be endlessly recycled in the same way that our uh, aluminum and glass uh, are able to be doing. So again, there's some work being done on that uh, on the horizon, but likely the same thing as, as what we just talked about is 
you know, we might start to be able to figure out how to do this with a material in a lab, but what's the uh, scaled up production of that going to look like? How do we get the infrastructure needed to be able to actually carry out the recycling? You know, we don't want to just recreate the same current problem that we have with plastic recycling. So we need to, to make sure that this can be done on a wider scale. So thinking about all of those things, potential opportunities, potential things to look at in the years going ahead. In the meantime, though, it is really important to still think about how we can uh, reduce, reduce our use. There's also, of course, people working to do the cleanup side of that, ocean cleanups, all of those sorts of things on a, a large scale. So so lots to think about in terms of the future of plastics. And then, you know, the, the last thing I want to mention too is thinking about changes in legislation. So we can talk about corporate responsibility. We can talk about government responsibility as well. And we are seeing this a little bit. My understanding, Casey, I don't know if you know more about this or if I missed something, but I believe the European Union has a single-use plastics ban on certain items that's actually going into effect soon like this year so if you yeah. are a listener tell us what's going down with that and how's that how's that how's that going what do we need to know about that and also we're seeing some legislation try to be introduced here in the united states as well um so there is a the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act of 2021, which is something that you can look up if you just go to breakfreefromplastic.org. You can look at that and see kind of what that proposal entails. It talks about a lot of different things from the in environmental justice side, uh, from that uh, producer responsibility side in, return, in terms of finding real recycling. So it's not just an outright ban on all, all things plastic, but it's it really it does seem to be from what I've looked at, looking at kind of a multi multifactorial approach to a lot of the issues that we're, we're facing with plastics in general. Very cool. I'm excited to learn more about that. Yeah. So that's what I have today. Again, just a quick overview of plastic in general. I think this is a topic that we'll come back to you in a lot of different ways. We already talked about it a little bit in terms of microfibers and plastics in our textile industry. I'm sure it will come up a lot when we do talk about recycling. So, uh, but again, sort of in honor of, of Plastic Free July, just kind of wanted to do a sort of touchstone introductory talk on plastic. So hopefully something useful came out of there, something to think about a new new way to look at things or maybe a new thing to try and Casey unless you have anything else to add well thank you for covering this subject I know we're going to dive into it in a lot of different ways I generally feel pretty overwhelmed by the mm -hmm. whole thing but innovation is really exciting the potential for legislation super exciting but also the opportunity for each of us to do our little part is also kind of a way to build community as well it's to each of us sort of to as a whole try and commit ourselves to using a little bit less 
is sort of already the underlying theme of a lot of our episodes. And I think plastic is just a really good example of that. Awesome. And we'll talk a little bit more about how maybe we can do that when we come back in just a moment with our actions for the week. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for listening to our discussion on plastic today. A couple of challenges for you as you move forward throughout this week. That first one, we are just going to focus a little bit on our individual abilities to contribute and look for ways to reduce our individual single-use plastics use. One of the ways that you can do that is just by doing a plastic audit on yourself. So just like Casey and I took 60 seconds today to think about all of the ways that we've interacted with plastic, you might do that. You might just kind of go through your day and take note of where you're interacting in particular with those single use plastics, or you can, you know, go through, go through your trash bin, see what you're throwing away, see what you're getting rid of. That might be a single use plastic item and think about if there is a way that you can simply cut that item out of your life. How can you, can you cut it out completely? Can you reduce the amount of times that you're having to go to that single use plastic? So again, this is a pretty, I mean, doing the audit, I guess is specific, but everybody might come to their own individual action that they could take depending on what's going to work best for your lifestyle. So do plastic audit is your challenge for this week. Uh, I don't know if this is a beast mode challenge per se, or just a bonus challenge, but I mentioned that Plastic Wars documentary. I have not watched the whole thing. Again, I most I read a, an NPR article that was talking about it. I did have it on yesterday as I was kind of doing other things. I think it could be a really valuable watch. It might also be kind of a depressing watch. So watch with caution, I guess, but I would recommend it if you're interested in learning a little bit more again about sort of the industry involvement in how we got to where we are today. So that's on not YouTube, a, Sarah. You can find it on YouTube. Yeah. If you just search for Plastic Wars, uh, honestly, it'll probably come up or Plastic Wars documentary. Maybe it should come up again. I can also put a link to it in our show notes for this week. Um, and then lastly, if you're here in the United States in particular, look up that Break Free from Plastics Act read a little bit about that and then see if that's something that you might be interested in looking at and supporting and contacting your representatives about. So some ways that we can take individual action, some ways that we can educate ourselves and some ways that maybe we can uh, come together to look at a little more government and corporate responsibility, hopefully all worked in your actions for this week. Well, thanks, Sarah. Those are it looks like you got a lot of options. It seems like you can, you can, if you're just like what I want to do right now, which is lay down on the couch and like, <laughs> just kind of <laughs> be zonked. Uh, it looks like I could watch plastic wars. I also love 
contacting representatives. You do. And I do. <laughs> I, I want you guys to get practice in. So uh, <laughs> this seems like a really cool initiative. So let's let's check back in with each other and maybe talk a little bit more about this breakthrough from Plastics Act more in the future. Cause I think that we're gonna have a lot of cool things to talk about when yeah. we get to learn a little bit more. I would but I you, yeah. yeah, I would like to read through it a little more myself again. So that's why I'm sort of I'm not necessarily reviewing or pushing these things this week because I'm just learning about them myself. So we can, yeah, we can check back in and see what we all think. If you guys decide to participate in our challenges, don't forget to tag us on social media. On Instagram, we're a little greener pod. On Facebook, a little greener podcast. And if you want to send us an email and talk to us about things that you're doing, <laughs> suggest topics, whatever you'd like, we're at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. I had to look at Sarah. To make sure I was getting it right, but that's what it is. That's so it. it's easy. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks everybody for listening. Yep, absolutely. And we hope everybody has a good week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.